0: I'd been hiding in the tomb for what felt like hours, but really it was probably only 30 minutes. It was an Easter sunrise about 10 years ago. At my home church, we kind of have a property like this, but instead of just gathering and sitting out on the parking lot steps like we are, uh, we gathered on the front lawn and we had a fake tomb, a very large tomb with a fake stone that you would roll in front of it. Uh, We had it out there every single year. We'd have Roman centurions guarding it on Friday and Saturday as everybody drove by. We tried to sort of live into the story, the reality of Easter. So I was hiding in the tomb on Easter Sunday morning because the pastor at the time, he and I had concocted this plan. We were going to have a little drama. You know, we wanted to excite people at six o'clock in the morning. So I was dressed like an angel, like an angel. And I was hiding in the tomb and there wasn't much space, so I was sort of crowded over in the corner trying very hard to keep my wings straight and unbent. And I was there trying to listen for the key words. See, he was preaching his sermon and I was waiting for the word. And when he said the word, my job was to kick down the stone, the entrance, walk out and declare the good news of Jesus' resurrection. What neither of us anticipated was how thick the walls of this fake tomb really were. And so I had my ear pressed up to the side, waiting to hear the word, and when I thought I heard it, I figured, okay, we're good. And I turned on the fog machine. See, we wanted it to be really theatrical, okay? So I turned the fog machine on, but again, this tomb was really, really small, and if you've ever been around a fog machine, they're designed for large open spaces, like concert venues, so they can sort of sweep out into the audience. This was inside of a, like a closet. And so within a couple seconds, it was so filled with smoke that I couldn't see anything. And I had to start suppressing coughs. I didn't want anybody to know what happened. So I did what anyone would do. I held my breath. I took in one big breath. And that was a dumb idea because I took in all the smoke. And so I was sort of crouched in the corner, trying so hard not to breathe, dressed like an angel. And finally I couldn't hold it. And I sort of kicked open the tomb and I fell out and I rolled into the mud and I was coughing up a lung and I stood up and I looked out and there were probably about 50 or 60 people there and the pastor was standing off to the side and they all looked like this and I know I stood up I was covered in mud broken wings and I, I, I had a whole monologue that I had memorized, and I, had, I forgot all of it. I couldn't remember a single thing I was supposed to say. And so I just looked out at everyone and I said, he is alive! Which sounds more like Frankenstein's monster than Easter. And then I, we never talked about what to do next. So I ran. I ran from the tomb as fast as I could. And I got into the church building and cleaned myself off. If you had asked anyone that was there that morning what their experience was, I am pretty sure they would tell you they were afraid. I know I looked more like someone who had slept inside the tomb all night than an angel declaring the good news of Jesus' resurrection. We don't know a lot about the first Easter. We have these dramas, these plays, we have movies and videos, all sorts of things where we try to portray what happened. But we really don't know much. The stories we have in Scripture are very short and very brief. And in this one, in Mark's Gospel, the women arrive at the tomb. The stone has been rolled away. There is an angel, a messenger, who says, He has gone on ahead of you. And then, in almost bewildering fashion, it says, They do not walk away, clicking their heels together, jumping for joy. The Gospel ends by saying, They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid because they were afraid. And much has been made about this fear. You know, why in the world Mark would end his gospel saying that the women were afraid? Maybe he died while he was trying to write it down. That's the last word he got. Or maybe the page was ripped and we lost the rest of the story. Some have said, oh, it's good that they're afraid because most people, when they encounter God in Scripture, they're afraid. We don't really know why. All we know is that the first people to experience the resurrection, the first people who gathered early on Easter, left afraid. So why are they afraid? Why is it fear? For many of us, fear is the last thing we think about on Easter. Instead, we think about egg hunts. and We think about giant bunnies and getting back home so you can cook for all the people that are coming for supper this evening. Easter is joy. Even the hymns we sing, Christ the Lord is risen today, Hallelujah. I mean, these are joyful things we do. If you look at any of the Easter hymns, they're all full of that kind of imagery, the beginning of spring, birds chirping in the air. None of them are about being afraid. None of them. But that's all we know of the first Easter is that the women are afraid. We are told in life that there are only two truths, death and taxes, the two things you cannot avoid. And Jesus tells us how to deal with the latter. He says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But death until Easter is still an absolute. There's nothing you can do about it. And that's exactly why the women are afraid. Because if Jesus, this one crucified by the government and the religious leaders, Jesus, the one who had been crushed by the forces of evil, if this Jesus was now raised from the dead, if he had been vindicated by God, if he had been given new life, if God reversed all of time and all of history in this one man, in this one moment, then the women at the tomb knew enough to know that everything had been turned upside down and that nothing would ever be the same again. I mean, if the one truth you knew to be true was no longer true, how do you think you would respond? When you take the time to think about it, encountering a man who's supposed to be dead is a pretty frightening thing. It sounds more like a horror movie than a nice Sunday sermon. This is completely outside of their expectation. If Jesus was beaten and crucified, dead and buried alone, if that's the end of the story... Then the world is right. Violence wins. Evil is powerful. All life ends in cemeteries. But if Jesus is raised, if the tomb is empty, if God has the final word, then there is reason for the women to run in fear. There's reason for all of us to be afraid. Because God's on the move. Everything we think we know is wrong. Jesus is alive. The frightening truth of the resurrection is that, like the women who went to the first Easter, we can never leave the same way we came. Easter confronts us with the scary truth, that God is really the one in charge. And that's frightening to behold and to accept, because when we discover God's truth, we realize that our dependence on all sorts of earthly things, they fade and they fail. Life and beauty and security and wealth and power, our careers, our property, even our families, those things, they all pale in comparison to the fact that God says death is not the end. Everything has been made new. It's good and right for us to be here outside in the still sort of darkness to celebrate Easter. Because one of the things we forget is that Easter resurrection, it happened in the dark. It happened in the dark when no one was there. No one saw it. It's a mystery, and it's a scary one at that. It's something we cannot explain. It's as strange and as frightening as life in darkness. Jesus is given new life in the tomb just like he was given life in his mother's womb. And it's a frightening thing. Because it means all the things that we hold dear, all these ideas we cling to that think, that we think give us life, all these things we fill in our homes and our closets, they will all fade away, but the resurrection is forever. And so the question for us this morning is, are we afraid? And if we're not, maybe we should be. So I offer this frightening word to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. (laughs) Amen.